Welcome to Working Girl Talk, the podcast for working women, where each week we cover the latest headlines the businesswoman needs to know about, and we chat to boss women making an impact in their industry. I'm your host, Abby Zufelt. Hello, hope you are having a great day, great week, great morning, great night, whenever you're listening to this episode. So excited to be back with you this week, and I'm so excited for this episode. So, no news this week because we are getting right into the interview. This interview is a little bit longer, and but there's so much good stuff. There's nothing to cut out here, so I wanted to make sure we had time for the full interview. So no news this week. We'll be back next week with, with news, and we'll dive into all the crazy headlines going on right now. So without further ado, I'm going to dive into this week's interview with Kristen Molinar. Kristen is on a personal mission to eradicate entrepreneurial stress and help her clients work less while making more. She runs Yes Boss, a virtual agency that partners with solopreneurs as their one-stop business building team. They hit six figures in 2018 while she worked an average of just five hours per week. The hacks she's discovered are simple and she is sharing them with us today to help eradicate entrepreneurial burnout. That is her life mission and I love that. We don't need that burnout around here. So love that she's doing this. So excited for you to hear the interview with her. It is unbelievably helpful and amazing and everything the Working Girl Talk podcast like wants to be, needs to be, and is so amazing. If you've ever felt bogged down by burnout or wanted to know how to fully optimize your job, your time, your side hustle, your business, this episode is for you. Welcome Kristen to the show. Hello, welcome to Working Girl Talk. I am so excited to welcome Kristen Molinar with us today. We have a fellow working girl with us. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. We are super excited to hear from you. So first up, we're going to keep it simple. Can you give us just like a in brief intro, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So like you said, Kristen Molinar, I am the founder and CEO of a virtual assistant agency called Yes Boss. So we help solopreneurs who have built their business um, to a level of success that usually has created some stress in their life. We come in and we save the day by becoming their right-hand person to help get everything off their plate from online business management to the digital marketing implementation. We become that right-hand person so that you can go from being a stressed out solopreneur to an empowered CEO. I love it. And that my audience is going to love that. I'm sure they're already like, oh, like ears are open. (laughs) I love it. So before we dive into all the specifics, I want to hear more about your career journey. So let's go all the way back in typical working girl talk fashion. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like? Were you kind of always like that entrepreneurial type of person? So I didn't think like if you had asked me when I was younger, if I was entrepreneurial, I would have said no. I didn't think that I had business ownership or entrepreneurship. I didn't think that I had it on my radar. Um, I grew up in a family that really valued finding a job and staying with that job and a job that had good retirement and good benefits. I mean, still, I was just talking to my grandma about this the other day. I think that every time my whole entire immediate family gets together, we talk about retirement plans. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that, that is just my family. Like, um, my, my stepdad and my grandpa and my brother and my father-in-law all worked in like local government. So like we called it like the government center. So that's the kind of job you get like right out of college. And then you retire from there in your sixties. Like you just stay where you're supposed to be. So, um, I grew up feeling like, you know, work, you were supposed to work hard, right? However, I have been always, I've always been very creative in the ways that I want to make money. I've always been very money motivated. So I would do things like help my grandma at her office. Like she had a counseling office. And so I would help her do like admin stuff. Um, I would walk dogs. Um, When I was 11, I actually, with a friend of mine, we created stationery and we went door to door and sold stationery door to door. So I definitely was entrepreneurial, but I just didn't know it because I had, I didn't really have a lot of examples of it. And I think another kind of fun fact to add in there is I always have been big on being a boss, which I'm laughing because um, when I was really young, I remember paying my little brother like, you know, 
quarters to clean out my guinea pig cages. So I've always had this like business mindset of like, how can I make, you know, get more done with less time or less ever effort and all of those things. So looking back in hindsight, I would say, yes, I've always been entrepreneurial. I love it. That is awesome. I, I'm, I know what that's like paying a sibling or having a sibling pay you to, Hey, can you scratch my back or something? Right. Right. <laughs> something random. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so how do we get to yes boss? So how did, how did that idea start? How do you even go about starting a company? Yeah. And then especially one as unique as a virtual assistant. I know that's like a loaded question. So yeah. we're here to listen. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, so I ended up getting into the virtual assistant world because I had failed at entrepreneurship is really how I would frame it. <laughs> I left my last corporate job in um, to late 2014 and I wanted to do, well, I thought that I wanted to do coaching and consulting. Um, my last corporate job was in the beauty industry. So we helped people who had um, dreams for building a skincare or cosmetic line. Like we would do all the brand management for them. I worked for a lady who didn't treat me all that great. So I wanted to get out on my own. And I figured, you know what, I could do something kind of similar on my own. I had developed the experience to do it. I loved the work. I loved the project management. I loved the clients, um, but I just didn't like the work environment. So I ventured out on my own. I thought that what made me a really great employee would make me a really great entrepreneur. I thought I work hard, like I'm going to make it work. For 14 months, I just struggled. Like it was awful. I made $5,000 total my first year. And I was living with my in-laws and it was like, I feel it was a pride battle, really. It was like my pride, I lost my pride and um, I lost my confidence. And I used to be the kind of person that would go into inter any interview and feel like she could get anything that she wanted. And because I had just, I felt like I had really been beat down by being an entrepreneur and being so, having so little success. Um, that I just needed to do something. And I knew that I didn't want to sacrifice the freedom that I had experienced. You know, nobody else was telling me when to go to work, but I needed to do something. So because I had been in the entrepreneur space for about a year, I had heard about hiring virtual assistants. And I thought, well, you know what? I guess I could do that. And um, it felt like a step down from what I wanted. It felt like it. And but what it's really done is it's enabled me from the get-go, you know, I got clients and I was able to see behind the scenes how other people build a successful business. And that has been incredible for me. I feel like I've gotten to experience getting paid to learn. Um, but I, I ended up finding my first virtual assistant gig on a website called hiremymom.com. And um, it just has slowly evolved and grown over time. I didn't intend for this to be like my full-time gig. It was just something to make ends meet. And I thought I would start another business. But when I realized just how amazing I could develop this business to be, I said no to everything else. And I put all my eggs in this basket and it's been wonderful. I love it. So what would be one tip for someone who is looking to start a business? Like what was that one thing like you were like, oh, wow, I did not know that after starting a business. I think that what I struggled with is that I was looking at all the different pieces. Like I was only getting glimpses of little pieces of what it took to grow a business. So what I've noticed is that when you become an entrepreneur and like Facebook catches wind that you're an entrepreneur, they're going to hit you with so many ads and all of the ads are going to be about all of the marketing strategies, right? So as a new entrepreneur, I feel like that's the thing you get most familiar with is like, you know what it means to create passive income with a course and do group coaching. And like, you know what it means to do like a webinar and you learn all of these things. But what really caused me to struggle so much is that I didn't under like understand the sequence of a business that it was create visibility, nurture people, create a sale and then have fulfillment and retention. It was like, it took me so long to figure that out. I would say like even years into doing the virtual assistant stuff, I realized, oh my gosh, it's not just a show up and people will be there. It's like this process and it's nurturing. And, it, and I think that I didn't realize how much consistency it takes. So if you're a new entrepreneur like, and you decide that you want to go after something, say you found a, 
marketing strategy that you think sounds really fantastic, commit to it. Like I was doing one marketing strategy. I would do one webinar and like five people would show up. And so I'd say, oh, well that didn't work. And I would jump to the next thing. Like I didn't give it a chance. I didn't realize the value in like a snowball and how that is how success is built. It's normally not just a, you show up and like suddenly you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. I just didn't understand it. I love that. And I think that we need to be more mindful of that. And this like, I don't know, this like social media, internet, like we are so used to that instant gratification. Oh, yeah. Whereas if it doesn't happen, you're like, oh, it, it failed. But really it, it maybe not is it maybe not be failing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so how has Yes Boss evolved? So since you started it to now, now you have a team, like how has that evolution been? Yeah. So when I first started Yes Boss, the objective was for me to get a job. Plain and simple. It's like, I just need somebody who's willing to pay me for my time. Right. But what very, very quickly happened is that very first client paid me $15 an hour. Um, I agreed to make $15 an hour. I told him I would prove myself to him within the first 30 days if he would pay me $20 an hour after that first 30 days. So I thought I was like making a good bargain here. Anyways, he asked me to, to write some blogs for him because I was doing like everything under the sun for him. He asked me to write some blogs and because I wanted work, I said, yeah, sure, I'll write blogs for you. So I sat down to write a blog and his community was a nursing community. So we were building a community for nurses, obviously. And I started to write this blog about nursing and it was awful. Like I could write it, but I hated it. <laughs> I, was, I just remember thinking, why am I doing this? Like, really, is this what I'm doing? Like, I have no experience or no interest in nursing. Like, what the heck is going on? And then it dawned on me that I could hire somebody to write the blog for me. And I could hire essentially like an intern, which is something that I had done when I was trying to launch like my coaching business. I could hire an intern to write the blog. And the way that my contract with that client was set up, I was set up as an independent contractor. I could do that legally. So I found somebody in the Midwest, really fantastic girl that was in college and she wanted work experience and I had to pay her minimum wage. Minimum wage in her state was like seven or $8 an hour at the time. I was making 15 and I figured, you know what, if I can make seven or $8 an hour doing nothing, I'll do this all day long. Like, this is amazing. So I, I was always the face of, of the client work in the beginning, but I very quickly started delegating to people that were on my team that could do that work. Um, then what happened is we shifted in 2018. I ended up going to a conference and I was trying to pick a niche at the time. Like how do I really want to grow? Like where do I, what services do I really want to offer? You know, I'm tired of just picking up any client that's referred to me. They're not really the clients that I want to work with. I want to take a little bit more control over this. So um, I was sitting in a conference that was teaching that the way to build a email list is through an online show or an online summit or online conference, whatever you want to call it. There's a ton of different names. In that moment, I thought I'm literally sitting in a crowd of over a thousand people that I could pitch my services to because I've done an online summit before. So I started telling people that I ran a virtual assistant agency that specialized in online shows. And within 10 months, I had generated $100,000 doing online shows. It just like boomed. And so that is when the business really transitioned into what is, I would say, like a more traditional agency model. So when people came to work with me, they would work with somebody from my team. I backed up from doing all the account management because it just became too many clients to manage myself. And we've just grown from there. We don't necessarily just specialize in online shows anymore. We do more ongoing work. We prefer people that want to work with us long-term, but it all really started from making that decision to bring a team in place that could work directly with my clients. I love it. Okay. So I want to get into the specifics of that. So do you have okay. any tips for hiring a team like that? Because this is a virtual assistant agency. It's a little different. And then yeah. also delegating those tasks. So like any tips or anything like that you could offer? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with hiring. So I make sure that I'm staying on track here and answering your questions. So <laughs> awesome. when it, when it comes to hiring, um, there's a, there's a couple things that I have to say about hiring effectively. One is that you want to have a very thorough interview process. If you're building a team, um, 
I would encourage you to, I guess I'll give you some examples of what we do and that kind of drives the point home. So there's two things that we make sure that we always do. One is that when we put up a job posting, we put a very, very in specific instruction in the job post. So ours is a specific subject. So if you're applying for a job to work with us, you have to put this specific subject. This is going to weed people out right away. Because if you are looking for a virtual assistant and you put an ad up in one of these really good places to put ads up, like you're just going to get flooded with applicants. And so that is the best way for me to weed people out right away. So the second thing that we do in our interview process is we always give people a test project. We have found a really effective test project for the task-based people that we hire on our team is to give them an email that they have to load into an email management system and then like send us a sample of it. This works for us because this is something that we do a lot for our clients, right? But what we do is we set up something in that test where they have to come back to us for additional feedback. And what we do is we don't give them a subject line. So what we're looking to see in that test is what do they do with the fact they don't have a subject line? Do they ignore it? Do they stop doing the project and come back to us and ask us for the subject line? Which actually, that's what we thought we wanted. We thought we wanted people to stop what they were doing, come back to us and ask for a subject line. What we found is our superstars, like our A players on our team, which is everybody that we've hired. <laughs> we, don't, we actually haven't hired anybody who doesn't do this. What they do is they come up with their own subject line based on the context of the email. They send that test to us and they say to us, hey, I noticed that there wasn't a subject line, so I put this subject line, let me know if you approve it or not. And we were like, oh my gosh, this sets people apart. So that is like my tips for when you're going through like that vetting and hiring process to make sure that you're getting these people that are very proactive. Because look, as business owners, we don't need to bring more people on to then have management become a full-time job for us. We need people to come into our team and be proactive about getting work done and moving forward. So I we found that. those to be really, really great ways for hiring. That's so true. And I like that last part that you mentioned that. I know I want to talk a little bit about the delegating part too, because I yeah. see a lot of, like I've worked at small businesses in the past where the business owner is so involved because they didn't set up things right in the beginning. And how do you avoid that? Like what, what is your experience and any insight into delegating effectively? So the things that I have to share about delegating effectively, I think have to do more with mindset than anything else. Um, what I, from a practical level, I tell everybody that's wanting to build a team that you need to invite your team into the vision of your company. You shouldn't be treating your team just like taskmasters because what you'll get from a taskmaster is completed tasks. And if they don't have all the information that they need, they're just gonna come back to you for the information. You will not be setting yourself up to be working with thinkers if you're just delegating tasks and you're outlining literally every single step that they need to take and you're not, giving, you're not teaching them how to think for themselves. So you wanna share the vision of your company. You wanna share like, Hey, like for me, this is what I do. Everybody on my team knows that we're on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial stress. They know that when people come in, that is our objective with all of our clients. That's the objective with me doing podcast interviews. That's the objective with everything that we do. So they can see what's going on from a perspective that I can't even see. And so my team now has my back because I've hired them and shared the vision with them so they have the ability to grow the company and grow what we do in a way that I wouldn't be able to do if it was just me. And the second thing is I want to encourage everybody that's hiring, that's hiring to really think about the fact that you're leading leaders. So when you are working with a team, everybody wants to feel important. Like think about how you wanted to be treated when you had a job. You wanted to be treated with respect. You wanted to be empowered to take ownership of the tasks that you were doing. You didn't want to be treated like a follower. You wanted to be treated like somebody who deserved the respect of a, of a leader. So look, even if you're hiring a secretary to manage your, in, your inbox or your calendar, let them lead the heck out of managing your inbox and managing your calendar and treat them in that way because that makes people rise to the occasion and it makes them execute on tasks even better than we would be able to. 
honestly, when I delegate a task to somebody on my team, I still get that like nervous feeling. Like more, most recently I delegated a video to somebody and I didn't give a lot of instructions on what I wanted in the video. And that was hard for me because in my mind I had an idea of it. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to let him put all of his creative touches on it and then I can give him feedback afterwards and then he can change things. What happened is a video that was edited that was beyond what I ever could have imagined and then I layered in some of my touches to it. It, it was amazing to see that happen and that, that continues to happen in my company because I'm leading leaders and I treat them as such. Wow. I love that. That is such a great mindset to have. And I'm sure that that increases employee productivity, employee engagement, all those other things too, because if you feel like you're not contributing or part of the bigger picture, what's the point? You have no motivation. So that's awesome. Yeah. It creates longevity for the people that we bring on. And it's a lot, it's a lot less expensive to treat the people on your team really well than have to be constantly hiring new. Totally. So along with that, I want to talk about something that you said in some of our email conversations before this interview. So you said that you think the DIY mindset is anti-entrepreneurial. So let's talk about that because I think a lot of entrepreneurs do think that they believe in the DIY. I know I'm a a lot of DIY. I'm a DIYer in a lot of senses. So help us. I feel like this is such a controversial and like bold (laughs) statement to make, right? Like I think that DIY is anti-entrepreneurial, but I do. And um, this is, this is something that I feel a lot of people have fallen victim to, I'll say, because it's so easy to fall in this trap. Like I said earlier, you tell like Facebook catches wind that you're an entrepreneur and Facebook, all the marketers on Facebook are going to be telling you, all of the things that you need to be doing for your business. And so you're going to think that you need to be doing them. Like you're going to be hustling to do your webinar. You're going to be hustling to figure out everything. So I think that it's a beautiful thing, this um, age that we're in, because we can learn to do everything, but the ability to learn everything has really hindered our ability to actually grow and scale our business and stay in the role of visionary entrepreneur. So I think that the, that the um, definition of entrepreneur that is stuck in a lot of people's minds is not actually accurate. I think that what happens is that when you are a DIY entrepreneur and ultimately you're a solopreneur and you're literally doing all the work by yourself, you've created a job for yourself. You've not built a company. So when I dreamed about being a business owner and what I think is true entrepreneurship is being somebody who can cast a vision and put the people and processes in place to carry out that vision that removes limitations that gives you freedom and that really i think is what true business ownership is i think right now i'm seeing the evidence of um so many people that have fallen victim to just getting sucked into always doing diy because there are things like with covid right we had all these kids who are now having to be homeschooled and all these parents who used to have time to grow their business because their kids went to school and now their kids are at home. What happens? They are their business and so their business is suffering. Well, our business should not be us. Our business should be a business, an entity that's separate from us and we're the leader of that business and we're putting the people and processes in place so that that business has a shape and like a culture and it's a separate entity. It's its own thing that we're leading. So I think it's unfortunate that we get stuck in that mindset, but I hope that by sharing that people kind of go, oh, wait, so if my kids come home, I could have set my business up so that I could still make money off of it. Even if, you know, my mom duties were elevated, even if I wanted to go on vacation, like, yes, treat your business like a company and you can take vacations and you could work less. And I would say you can make more because you now have more hands in the pot and your, your business can grow so much bigger because of that. I think that is so awesome and way more sustainable too. If your whole business is you, you can't come up for air ever, like buy to vacations, buy from ever enjoying life, which is probably the reason why you did it in the first place. So I think that listeners, that is like the golden moment right there. <laughs> like re-listen to that part. Cause I think we all need to get that into our minds a little bit more for sure. Yeah. I had a conversation recently about, um, like treating your business as your baby. 
it was a really fun conversation with somebody and we were talking about how even your children like eventually go to elementary school and then middle school and then high school. Like they, the goal of being a parent is to raise your kids to be independent. But for some reason we've like lost that with our businesses and we keep this like tight grip on it. It's like, okay, let's think about it more as like raising something. Okay. It's got to become more and more independent. Yeah. I love that. That's actually, I, cause I've heard that, but I never thought about the full picture of like the high school version of your business, the college yeah, right? version where they don't need you as much. Right. <laughs> I thought it was a perfect parallel. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so speaking of not being so involved in the business, so you are a big believer in doing less instead of more, which is very hard for a lot of us. So can you talk to us a little bit about your process for doing that? Yeah. So about 18 months ago, my team and I sat down and we were discussing what the quote, yes boss way was because we were noticing that we had clients who were signing us and their businesses were growing and they were keeping us and we're still with them today. Even, you know, even amid this COVID stuff, like they're still with us. Then there's another set of clients who would sign on with us and they would literally be gone within the first four to six weeks and they, it just like wasn't working. So we were seeing this clear black and white of this is, these clients are, it's working and it's gold and the ROI is amazing and they'll keep us forever because we're paying for ourselves versus these other clients where they're just always kind of frustrated and then we're, we feel frustrated because we can't help them get to where they want to go. So we were thinking about what is it? What's our process? What are the commonalities here? And the very interesting thing that I discovered is the commonalities were things that I had adapted in my life as a business owner as well. So that was pretty cool. So it's a three-step process and I'll go through the three steps really quickly and give you a brief overview. Awesome. But the very first thing is an essentialist approach. So, you know, if you're building a business, regardless of whether you're doing it yourself or you're bringing on a team, you need to make sure that you know what things in your business are working and what's not. We look at this in two different categories. What is your marketing strategy? So how are you marketing your business and your monetization strategy? If you're looking at your business to figure out what it is that's working and what's not, I would challenge you to do a couple things. One, look at the analytics, but also listen to your heart. Because we are influenced by so many people telling us what to do, I think we lose sight of what our strengths are and the ways that we show up naturally and the ways that we show up naturally, I would say usually have better analytics attached to them because we're more effective in our sales when we're showing up from a service perspective. So one thing also to keep in mind when you're looking at your business to figure out what's essential and what's not is that the 80-20 principle applies here. So 20% of your efforts are yielding 80% of your results. I see this time and time and time and time again. So when you're looking at what am I doing to market, chances are you can cut 80% of it out, which is like a out, or which is a outstanding. How do you say that? I can't even say that. Uh, astounding. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like, wait, there's like two different words there. <laughs> right? Which is astounding. You can cut out 80% of what you do. When it comes to your offering, sometimes you can cut out 80% of what you do. And so what that does is, you know now what makes a difference. So don't hire anybody until you know what makes a difference. Like, I think the, the thing, one of the things that we were seeing with our clients and what I think a lot of other people are doing is they're thinking, okay, I need to build like an Instagram or I need to start doing ads or I need to start doing this thing and I know I need to add that to my business so I'm gonna hire somebody else to do it. Well, you don't know that it even works yet and chances are there's a way that you're already making money that you know that works. You should be adding more fuel to that fire rather than just delegating something that you don't know if it's going to work or not. I think that that's a more dangerous approach. So that's number one is making sure that you're really having an essentialist approach. Number two is twofold. It's automation and delegation. I like to put these together because if automation is not your thing, delegate the automation. <laughs> don't think that you have to automate everything before you bring somebody on because there are some amazing people out there that are, they specialize in automation. Most of the clients that come to us, they don't know what's essential. And so that's why they hire us because we help them through this process before we ever start doing any work for them. We figure out what's essential and then we figure out what we're going to automate for them. 
you know, it's also another dangerous thing to be delegating on delegating something that you're not even trying to get the most productive way to do that thing. That's a waste of your money. And I think that that's just, you know, you could save a lot of money by looking at an automation approach. Like what can you automate? What templates can you um, create? What processes should you have documented that you don't already have documented? And then the third level of, or the third phase of our, we call it our work less, make more blueprint. The third process of this, this is generating effort-free income. We have a kind of unique approach to this. I think a lot of people think of like passive income and group programs and stuff. What we've found for our clients is uh, we work with a lot of coaches and consultants. We have found that there's a lot of money sitting on the table in their businesses, but because they don't have the bandwidth to provide additional services to them, they just don't. So for example, one of our amazing clients, she is a author and speaker coach. So she helps people get on the best selling list and she also helps people book like, you know, speaking engagements. Now, naturally she has some people that she works work with that she works with that want a VIP experience from her, but she doesn't have the bandwidth to do like a done for you service. But we come alongside her she's our client. So we come alongside her and she white labels us doing that done for you service. So this can be done if you're hiring us, this can be done if you're hiring just a, a traditional VA, this can be done with any kind of team member, but essentially she is selling a like influencer package to them. So we, we do all of the influencer outreach for her clients that are wanting to get on the bestseller list. She sells a package for over a thousand dollars and we charge her $750. So she can sell these to all of her VIP clients and it literally puts no work on her plate. It serves her clients well. It adds bottom line to like the money that she's bringing in every month. And it makes it so that her team, us, we are paying for ourselves. It's a win-win all the way around. And I don't think that we're taking advantage of these opportunities. As entrepreneurs, there are too many people thinking about okay, what can I do? And I'm only going to offer what I can do. And I'm challenging you to just expand how you're thinking about it. How can you create a process or bring in people to provide additional things for the clients that I already have rather than feeling like you need to go out and get more? That is so awesome. So on that note, how does somebody know if they are like, if they're in need of a virtual assistant or like how big or small do you have to be to get into this realm or like if they were going to like hire you? Yeah. I love this question <laughs> because I don't think that people are delegating soon enough. So for us, our clients come to us when they hit this like ceiling of, um, their, they really, they really can't make any more money because they're just doing too much so that they ran out of hours in the day. That's why they hire us. So that's the kind of client that comes to us. However, I believe that entrepreneurs should start delegating right away. So I'll give you an example of how somebody who literally said yesterday that they want to start a, start a business, what they can do today to really make this work for them. Yes. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, one of the very first things that you do is you're told as a business owner that you need to build an email list. And most of the time, this means having like at least a landing page, some kind of web page, and having an email list. So having those two things communicate with one another. Now, if you've never built a business before, you probably have no idea how to do that. You're like, cool, I've got this thing called Squarespace and I have this thing called MailChimp and like, I don't know what to do with this. So what does the average new entrepreneur do? They go on YouTube and they look it up. How am I going to do this? What I see happen all the time with friends that want to start businesses and heck for me, when I started my business, you end up spending like 10 hours researching it and then trying to make it happen and then trying to fix the issue that happened and do all this troubleshooting. And then you finally have a finished product, but you don't even know how you ended up getting there because you fixed it so many times. Like it's just this frustrating thing. Another thing is, I said, it you probably spend 10 hours on this. Well, that 10 hours probably took you two weeks because in the middle of that 10 hours, you were riding the emotional roller coaster of, oh my gosh, I'm a new entrepreneur. I'm going to make millions of dollars. Oh my gosh, I hate this. I have no business doing this. Oh my gosh, I think I figured it out. Like you're riding that roller coaster. So you also are dealing with the mindset issues. Okay, this is what you've got to do instead. And I hope that somebody just does this. Like, please just do this. Look, you can hire somebody who is really skilled to do this for you. 
our team, we are like a luxury virtual assistant brand and we charge $40 an hour. So I'm saying like top of the, top of the price range, you're paying $40 an hour. Somebody can do this for you in like two hours. So what you should do is you should just delegate these one-off tasks to somebody else rather than figuring them out all for yourself. But here's the kicker. I also want you after delegating that project, the person who you have delegated to, you tell them that you want them to record a video of how they did it. What this does for you is it empowers you to do it if you need to do it again, but you can do it the streamlined way for your business exactly in, in all of your stuff. You know how to do it. It also helps set you up with an asset internally. So I encourage all new entrepreneurs after you've figured something out to start automating things. So you need to create a document it's called an SOP or standard operating procedures. Basically you're creating a document. We use Google where you just have how you do all the things that you do in your business. You put that a link to that video in that document. And there you go. You have your very first asset for how you run your company. So these things can be done literally the day after you decide you want to be an entrepreneur. And what happens is you then get one, you get addicted to delegation because it's pretty darn addicting. Two, your business grows and it's not being hinged on all these mindset things and all these like lack of ability that you have in yourself. You're leveraging other people. That's what being an entrepreneur is. That is so awesome. Wow. And I, I, I've been there exactly what you were talking about, the YouTube. I remember trying to, oh, I'm going to custom code my WordPress site. <laughs> spending hours on YouTube and yeah, what a mess. So yeah, I definitely like four years ago, Abby needed to hear that. <laughs> so it's a trap. It's a trap, right? It is. So everyone listening now, don't do it. Don't fall into the trap <laughs> forever. You forget everything and it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just need to get it done. Yes. And a lot of the time I've noticed too, if it is something where you don't know, and like the email list example, like you said, sometimes if you don't know, instead of doing the YouTube route, you just end up like, I can't do it. It's too overwhelming altogether yeah. and you give up on it, which that's not good either. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah. And so, then you lose your confidence. You end up being me, that entrepreneur that, <laughs> that made $5,000 the first year because I was trying to do everything myself and I wasn't getting help. And I was I mean, what really held me back was a lot of the mindset issues that I had. And, you know, I don't want you to end your first year making $5,000 and feeling like an utter failure. You know, you, you just hack the system, like just utilize the resources that we have to our advantage, you know, rather than buying that. And I feel bad for saying this because I know somebody is like, I sell that course rather than buying the course that teaches you how to do that email marketing program, like just hire somebody to do it for you. Like you don't have to spend the time learning, just get it done. So spend your money on the mindset coaching and the, that coach tactical coaching that is just so essential to all entrepreneurs. I love it. And then I want to talk about mindset a little bit too. So how a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners do struggle with self-sabotaging yourself. And that's kind yeah. of what we've been touching on a little bit too, with like the, I need to do everything. I'm going to learn how to code and make an email list. So how can we identify what's self-sabotaging us and how do we like get out of our own way a little bit? I'd love to answer this question by just sharing some examples that I have seen in my own life and how I've identified the areas in which I sabotage because, or self-sabotage because I think that a lot of people will be able to relate. Um, my pride really wants me to be the hero. So my pride really likes it when I'm able to fix things for in my business. When I'm able to see somebody on my team that may like not know how to do something, like I want to go in and I want to be the superhero and I want to just fix it all for them. But that's self-sabotage because I'm not empowering other people to do it. I'm also being the hero. I'm doing things like overcommitting myself. Like in the moment, I want to tell a client who I'm having a sales call with, like, oh, I'll do that for you. And then I get off the call and go, oh my gosh, my pride got in the way again. I was trying to play superhero by offering something that they didn't actually need from me just because I wanted to feel important. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. And I really have to check myself like, okay, you don't need to do that. 
Another thing that I experience, and I, I'm sure that this goes back to the roots of working or growing up with a family that just values working hard. I like crossing things off a to-do list. So I tend to like have really long to-do lists and I get pleasure out of doing all of the things. But what I've realized is my keeping so much stuff on my plate is a way for me to feel like I'm valuable and I'm worthy of success. Because the reality is with the way that I've structured my business, it doesn't need me to continually add additional things to my to-do list. I just need to accept the fact that business doesn't have to be really hard. I don't have to overcomplicate it to be worthy of the success that I've had. If it's easy, that's actually confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. So I used to have this like bulletin board in my office before we moved and I had a uh, sticky that was on it. And I wrote down, cause this was just an amazing, like aha moment for me. I wrote, um, joy is not condemnation. It's confirmation because I felt like if I was like, if I spent a day working and it was so much fun and I was doing exactly what I wanted to do, I felt like I wasn't really working hard and I wasn't actually worthy of making money. I had to do the hard things to make money. But as entrepreneurs, we have the freedom to actually design our days in, and our business in ways that we can feel joy. And you know what? I'm the most effective when I do things that are joyful. Like I love doing, I love showing up like this and talking to you, Abby, like this is work for me and this is so much fun. And like, this is good. This is good for building my business. I love showing up in trainings. Like that's good for my business. And so we just need to use the stuff that gives us joy as like clues to how we build our business rather than shoving ourselves into these like work hard, like boxes that that's not, we don't need to do that. We don't work for the man anymore. We work for ourselves. I love that. So, so good. I think we all need to work on that mindset a little bit. I do this and I have like my normal like nine to five job too. And yeah. I can so see that when you're talking about like just saying, oh yeah, I'll do that. Like volunteering yourself for something that no one was really even asking for you to do, but you think they were <laughs> like that. Like I see that in myself. I see it in my coworkers. It's like, wait, like, why did I say that? Now I have to do yeah. this. Like, I don't know. Like you just like want to be a hero and it's crazy. <laughs> well, because it's a really quick, like ego boost in the yeah. moment, in the moment, mm. but that doesn't usually last all that long. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yes. So I love it. So good. I could talk to you forever, but we are going to dive into the working girl top 10. Are you cool. ready? Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So first one, first thing I do in the morning. Oh, I try to start my morning slow. Honestly, I've been doing horribly at this. So I'll just tell you what my ideal morning is. I don't know. I think COVID hit and I decided that I didn't have to follow any of my rules anymore, which is terrible. But I, I try not to look at my phone. I have a two and a half year old. So the idea is to get up and just not even know what's going on with work. I start slow intentionally, not checking email, not looking at notifications, make sure that I have a full cup of coffee before I dive into anything. Second one, my first job ever. I worked at a dry cleaners. My dad got me the job. I mean, I guess that's the first like official job because I always did odd jobs before then. But when I was 15, my parents signed off on me getting a job because I just was so obsessed with working. And I ended up injuring my shoulder for after like a month because the, the bags of clothing were so heavy. Oh, no. <laughs> so funny. So I only did that for like, I don't know, four or six weeks or something. <laughs> it counts. It counts. Yeah. <laughs> Next one. I'm obsessed with blank right now. So anything like, what are you obsessed with right now? A show, a food? Okay. This is weird. I feel like I've been obsessed with mushrooms and I have to clarify <laughs> the kind that you eat that you saute in a pan. <laughs> For some reason, I've, I, I was looking it up the other day. Like, do they have some kind of like mineral composition that my body is deficient of because every time I see see them like in the grocery store my mouth waters are on like a menu I really want them so that's my answer so random it is but I mean there's worse things there is thought, so yes that's good <laughs> so weird I love it next one favorite skincare beauty or self-care product 
Oh gosh. You know what? It's so funny that you asked me this question because I used to get this all the time. I worked in the beauty industry. Like that was my last regular job <laughs> and I don't care about it like at all. That's so funny because people used to ask me, did you see the newest like brand of Sephora? And I had to say, I have no idea. So honestly, I'm like the worst Abby, but I don't know. Like I really don't know. <laughs> charcoal stuff. I've been using charcoal stuff lately from Target. <laughs> okay. That works. That okay, works. cool. <laughs> I love it. Charcoal from Target. There we go. <laughs> Ever makes you happy. Um, number five, favorite account to follow on Instagram. All the Enneagram accounts. Oh, Are you God. into the Enneagram? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love the, I think it's coffee and Enneagram. Page yeah. She does like I, the, I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> I watched that account blow up over like a weekend. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was just insane. I know all of a sudden. And I feel like, hasn't the Enneagram been around for a long time? And yes. then all of a sudden it got it. Like, I feel Popular. like she helped it blow up a little bit because people started yeah. sharing those and yeah. Uh, and yeah, you, I actually did coaching with the woman that does that owns your Enneagram coach. Oh, cool. Or the Enneagram and coffee blew up. So I was exposed that way. Oh, gotcha. What's your Enneagram? I wondered if like people are listening, is she gonna say what she is? I'm a type <laughs> eight. Okay, cool. What's like the I'm a three. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's very popular among entrepreneurs. Yeah, I could see it. what's eight's like thing. Well, like, I would say a stereotypical eight is like very bossy and like wants to be in control. I would say that's like the stereotypical. Mm -hmm. The real thing is that we just don't want to be controlled. We don't have to be in control. We just don't want other, we need to know somebody's in control and we don't particularly want other people imposing control on us. Hence, I don't work for anybody. <laughs> yes, all full circle. The Enneagram so fun. I love it. Um, let's see. Number six, I have a blank at my desk at all times. Water. Nice. Yeah, I try to keep water at my desk. Keep me hydrated. Yes, nice. We need that hydration. Um, next one, best advice I've ever received. That it doesn't have to be complicated. I just think things in general, but we can put it in a business perspective. There's a tendency to make things really complicated, but it just doesn't have to be. And I think that simple, when I realized that simple is actually better, it was like, oh. And I think one of the ways that I really, the point that was driven home for me was reading the book Essentialism. Fantastic business book. So, yeah. Love it. And you almost are getting into our next question. Uh -oh. <laughs> so favorite book, show, or podcast that's had an impact on you. So sometimes some type of media that's had yeah. an impact on you. Yeah, definitely essentialism. I don't, I feel like I butcher his last name, but it, it's Greg McCowan. I think that's how you say his last name. <laughs> Literally the most fantastic book. Also second favorite, because I have to say this is Run Like Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz. That also changed everything for me. Ooh, I like it. I need it. <laughs> Those already <laughs> selling titles. I'm like, okay, I need to read it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> awesome. And number nine, proudest moment as a business owner. I think the proudest moment is when I hit six figures. I hit six figures in 2018. And it was this like, oh my gosh, it finally was worth it. <laughs> Like, this is something that actually feels sustainable and like, I don't have to scrape by to try to make it work. Um, it was just amazing to have that happen. Yeah. It, it felt worth it. And, and my family gave me some validation. It was like, at some, some points in there, we thought you just need to go back and get a job. This is craziness. <laughs> That's awesome. And last one, I am inspired by blank. I think right now I'm inspired by all the moms that are homeschooling and making juggling it all really work. Um, because my son is two and a half. I, he wasn't in school, so I've not had to deal with that transition. And my husband also is home full time, but I'm seeing so many amazing business moms just have their lives completely shifted and I'm so inspired by and just admire their ability to assess what's important and be there for their kids and also you know navigate continuing to have dreams of their own love it and where can people check out yes boss and like all this the social channels website all that good stuff 
yeah, so you can check us out at yesbossva.com if you are a solopreneur that's pulling out their hair and just needs somebody to dive in and help you. <laughs> We're here to do that. Um, if you're interested in like the three-step blueprint that I talked about, we actually have a um, ebook along with a worksheet that goes along with our very first step. So figuring out like how to apply that 80-20 principle to your business to figure out, you know, what is essential. You can get that at yesbossva.com slash work less make more. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram. We don't keep up with it super regularly because it just hasn't, we haven't needed to, which is us practicing what we preach of it wasn't essential. But you, we are on Instagram if you want to check that out at yesbossva. And then I'm on LinkedIn. That's where I do a lot of stuff. And you can find me at Kristen Molinar on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you there. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Kristen. I hope those takeaways were helpful. And I personally love the idea of working less, not stressing yourself out while still reaping the benefits of all that hard work. So fully optimizing your life. And that is actually my Friday favorite, Kristen's business, Yes Boss VA and her story. I just love it so, so much and think we can all learn from that. So no burnout over here, although it's very easy to burn out. So Take a, take a break every once in a while. If you liked anything today, please copy the link to the episode, send it to a friend, get them involved. They need to hear it too. And if you also want to take a screenshot of the episode while you're listening, tag Kristen, tag me at Working Girl Talk. Feel free to tag the personal too at Abby Zufel. I always love to hear what you guys say about the episodes and I always love to hear what you guys think and to see you listening it just it makes my heart so so happy so make sure to share the episode if you liked it also click that subscribe button if you have not yet and review the podcast five stars people always love to see it and it takes 20 seconds to make the podcast just get seen by more people which that's the whole point of reviews so i love it love it love it thank you so so much for listening i will talk to you next week <laughs>